Welcome to Group Talk, a monthly podcast conversation from the Small Group Network, focusing on topics relevant to small groups ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you are a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax and listen to today's program. Welcome to Group Talk. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, This is the continuation, part two, of my conversation with Will Johnston on assumptions that we hold in groups ministry that are both true and false. So, uh, Will, thanks so much for coming back for part two um, of this conversation. Thanks for having me, Carolyn. Well, we've talked about the first five, um, and if you haven't heard those, I encourage you to go back and listen to that one. Um, And today we're going to address the back five, and these are in no particular order. Um, They're just ones as we thought them through. So number six um, is this idea that everyone needs a coach. And by coach, we mean um, a lot of our structures have people that are responsible, whether they're staff or volunteers, um, that oversee a specific leader. So, Will, you think everyone needs a coach? Sort of. Uh, (laughs) How's that for a committal answer for you? Um. You know, I think I think we all need someone who is investing in us, uh, mm. someone who's checking in on us, someone who's seeing how we're doing. I don't know that that has to be like someone that the church has assigned to us. Um, you know, I think I think a coaching system is really helpful and, and can be very valuable, right? Like you've got new leaders that really do need a coach. They need regular check-ins. Um, and you know, here's something that, that Steve Gladen talks about a lot, like, right. Like coaching being kind of an, an as needed thing. Like, right. so where is the level of this leader and how much coaching do they need? If they've led a small group for 20 years, they don't need somebody with three years of experience leading a small group that I've just asked to be their coach to like <laughs> make sure they're leading their group. Well, um, now that person, you know, they might still check in a couple times a year, just see how things are going, you know, all of that, like serve as a resource for them. If they do have, you know, anything they want to talk to the church about or whatever. Um, but, but the truth is like having this sort of super organized, like check in monthly text weekly or something like that. Like, I, I just don't know that that is, is absolutely necessary. What about the idea though of wanting um, all the groups in a church to be aligned and wanting them to kind of be under the, the big umbrella? So we want them to come to trainings and and build relationships so they feel like they're not leading alone. Um, and even for an experienced coach, because small groups ministry, uh, experienced leaders, sorry, because small groups ministry happens in the privacy of people's homes, the church may not be that aware of what that experienced leader is doing. So what about that kind of level of accountability or alignment? Oh, I'm glad you figured out how to make that work. <laughs> I have No, I, I mean, <laughs> That's yeah, why I'm asking yes. you. You're the expert. <laughs> yeah, yes. You are right about that. And in an ideal world, that that would happen. Um, <laughs> I haven't figured out how to make that work. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes it's, I think people just don't see the value in it. They don't see the need for it. Right. Like they're not looking at it from that perspective. They're kind of sitting there going like, I leave my group. My group is going fine. We love Jesus. We're serving Jesus. I don't, you know, I don't need a bunch of things from the church to make this work. Um, and sometimes they're right. And sometimes there are issues of, pride or, you know, sort of something like that, where they, they just aren't willing to, you know, aren't willing to kind of submit and follow the leadership God has, God has placed, um, over the ministry that they're, that they're a part of. And that's, that's obviously problematic. Um, but the truth is like those people aren't going to stop meeting 
because I tell them to because they wouldn't talk to their coach. So <laughs> I can try to force them to do it. But like I, in my experience with those groups, like they're like they're going to keep going right. regardless of what I do. And I'd rather you know about them than right. to have them go underground. And I, I think um, and, and, you know, it's it's true. It, part of wisdom and shepherding is to know the sheep. Um, mm. whether that's small group leaders or our congregational members. And so you, if you know that you have someone who's resistant to, to that, then I think you just tread more gently. And what, mm. what we do, we kind of do a little bit of a sneak attack, which is um, we just offer to pray for them. Hmm. And who doesn't want to be prayed for, right. right? Right. So, and the check-in doesn't look so much like, you know, how's it going? And, you know, is there anything, problems we can solve? But more like, hey, we haven't heard from you in a while. Um, what's going on that we can pray for you about? Mm-hmm. And those actually do get some responses. Um, or to try to advocate for the positive side of it. Um, of course, if someone complains about what's going on in the group, then we, you know, we have to get involved. But right. the idea of having a designated coach as part of the program, I think, you're right that some will welcome it um, and some will not, and then you kind of have to to decide how how much pressure um, we want to do, and maybe um, doing it through uh, more positivity and offering <laughs> rather than more mm-hmm. carrot less stick might be a better my, approach. My goal is yeah to to create something that people want to be a part of, sure. rather than like try to force them to follow the system that for whatever reason is not appealing to them. Right, right. And actually, um, I have a young guy on our staff now, and um, he is overseeing technically on his list um, some really experienced and older people. And so I said, hey, the best approach might be, I'm new. Can you teach me some things about groups that work for you? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. they've responded really well to that. Um, And he's learning. So I'm like, yeah, might as well uh, take advantage of the experience we have. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So here's another one that's been around a long time. Number uh, seven, your senior pastor must be in a group for your group's ministry to be effective. Um, I think you called it your senior pastor has to be in a group or your groups will suck. <laughs> but <laughs> I think we also can call this when your senior pastor isn't Rick Warren. Because <laughs> we know that like a pastor like Rick, um, Warren is a huge proponent of groups. He talks about it all the time from the platform, every place. Um and it is wonderful if you have a, a senior leader that is like that. Um, mm-hmm. So when this topic comes up in at huddles and at uh, conferences, there's usually nods of acknowledgement and then kind of sad faces <laughs> um, and sympathies. And then there's the whole like, well, mine, mine isn't a group. Mine's like, you know, a champion of groups. And then somebody else is like, mine will never talk about groups. and won't even be in one. And so it's a whole spectrum. But then there's this assumption that if your senior pastor is not in a group, that you really are going to be struggling. Is this yeah, true? That, yeah, that sounds like an excuse for not doing your job well. Ooh. Um, Ooh. <laughs> so, I mean, everybody with any, with any, sort of topic or issue or ministry or whatever, right? Like everybody's going to fall along a sliding scale of like, they are completely resistant and to something to like, they are the biggest champions of it. Right. And then there's all those places in the middle of like, well, they're sort of resistant, but they'll let you do it. Or, you know, they're kind of, they're completely ambivalent. They're not for or against it to like, oh, they sort of support it to then, you know, of course, all the way on the other end, you've got somebody like a Rick Warren. Right. So, so you've got, so you've got your senior leaders are going to, they're going to fall all along this spectrum. Um, and so I've seen a few, like, I've seen a few things come up with this. One is like, 
somebody serving in a church where where those senior leader they've got a senior leader that's like really really resistant um and i think the problem there comes in sometimes that 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 folks in our positions are like well we're just going to do it anyway and <laughs> and i think that like you know i think that is actually like that's that's problematic. Like, I don't think that's where God wants us to be is like, I don't care what my senior leader says. I'm going to go ahead and do this. And I'm just going to keep fighting this and fighting. this. I think it's, it's fine to, to try to convince them to, you know, Mm -hmm. to, to sort of tell stories, to, to try to, to try to get them on board. Like that's part of your job. Right. But if you are in a situation where like, there's just total opposition, then you need to decide, has God called me to continue being here? Or do I feel like, like what's best is for me to continue to be here? Or do I need to go somewhere else where I can do what I feel like God is calling me to do Mm. rather than I'm just going to keep fighting and I'm going to kind of do it anyway. And I'm going to be at a church of a thousand people. We're going to have two groups because I'm just going to make them happen. Like, I don't think that's I don't think that's healthy. But so so if we're not talking about that, right, we've got like that (laughs) side of the spectrum. But but then you've got like you've got kind of the rest of like, oh, well, okay, maybe they're not the biggest fans. But like, you know, I kind of do this thing all the way up to, you know, maybe they're you know, maybe they're they're for it, but they're not in a group themselves. Um, the truth is, like most of my ministry ha- has happened um, where the the lead pastor is not in a group. Okay, um, they, but they've they have, been proponents of groups, but not necessarily in themselves. They've been proponents of groups, and they have, to varying degrees, resourced the resource mm-hmm. groups or sort of. And when I say resource, like like there's there's kind of multiple components that there's like there's like budgeting and staffing, but then there's also like focus and and you know sort of platform time in announcements right. or in right. sermons or different things like that. Right. So, so, and, and so I've, I've never been in an environment where like, there's just, there's opposition to groups. There's always been, um, you know, there's always been support for them. Um, but there've been times when like, it, it's not the, you know, it's not like the, the biggest priority, right? Like, right. They, yeah, okay. You might get some announcements, or something, but, but we're not, we're not putting a ton of effort into this. We're not, you know, outside of the group's team. There's not a ton of focus on this. Um, and then I've been in situations where, you know, the, the lead person is in a group as well. Um, and the truth is like, I have, I have grown the group's ministry in all of those contexts. Now it's easier when yes. <laughs> the lead pastor is fully bought in and fully on board and, 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 you know, and not just bought in is like, yes, this is a ministry we have and we want it and here's your budget. But like, I'm excited about this right. and I want to be a part of, of making it a reality. Right. Like, yeah, that's, that's easier. You're going to get more growth. You're going to get faster growth, all of that. But I've been in situations where that's not the case. And I've had over 60% of people in groups. So, so maybe a good way to say it would be that being having a senior leader in a group is an indicator of how um, how much of priority groups are in the church, but they're not going to be the litmus test to whether that's going to make it or not. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it's interesting. Okay, along with the senior leadership thing, there's also um, churches that mandate that their staff. And their elders um, are all group leaders or are in a group or function as group coaches. Um, and we've never actually mandated it on our church because, um, again, I wanted people to want to be in it. I wanted to make it attractive. They would hear stories and want to be part of it rather than I have to be in a group as part of my employment kind of thing. But at the same time, I've been envious of um, churches that have mandated because you do get that buy-in because once they experience it in a healthy group, they're going to start talking about it and, and it's going to become more viral in how it spreads around um, as a culture in the church. So uh, talk a little bit about that. What what do you think about mandating participation? Yeah, you know, I, I like you, I have mixed feelings about this. I mean, I, 
I don't I don't really want reluctant group leaders like like, you know, I know I'm not talking about the new group leader that's kind of nervous or they're right, doing right. it a little reluctantly because their group leader asked them or something like that. But but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm on staff and I've been forced to lead this group. And so I'm here is not exactly setting us up for success. <laughs> um, and and I've found too sometimes not always, but sometimes when that's sort of the attitude, like there's this there's this like, let's try to make anything we can a group. Like the, 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 the team meeting that I lead on Wednesdays for my, you know, youth ministry team or, you know, my worship team or whatever, like that's my group. And it's like, well, I mean, if it's actually functioning like a group that cool, but, but half the time we're yes. just slapping a label on something. To right. Okay. Check a box. So that leads us really well to number eight, which is that you need to be in a, you need to be a church of small groups versus a church with groups. And this terminology was popular in the late 1990s, early 2000s. There were books written on this. There was conferences promoting this. And I don't hear that lingo so much anymore, but I do think there is this, this distinction that some churches are churches with groups and some churches are churches of groups. And that still underlies some of our thinking. Um, and you're, you're right that there is, if you are a church or you've committed to being a church of groups, what you just talked about, Will, the temptation to start calling everything a small group um, becomes really prevalent. Yeah. Yeah, it, it does. You know, this is, this is a tricky one. I mean, I would love in an ideal world for this to be, for sort of this to be the reality, right? Like that our church is sort of completely based around groups and around, you know, building relationships with one another as, you know, kind of as we serve together, um, whether that's the, you know, the elder team or the executive team or, or whatever. Um, even that kind of, I think sometimes it gets a little problematic because like, so let's say your executive team is functioning as a group and let's say they're really functioning as a group. Like we didn't just slap the name on it. Mm -hmm. Um, well, does that mean that that executive team isn't building significant relationships outside of it? Because I know what I've found sort of the the sort of further I've gone in my leadership, like the more disconnected I, 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 can, right. I can easily get if I'm not careful from people who actually walk in the doors from small group leaders who are actually sure. sitting in a living room leading a group. Um, and, and so I would almost rather have you know, my executive, so my executive pastor, who's my boss is uh, a small group leader. And and that's not because, you know, we forced him to or something. <laughs> um, I can't really force the man to do that. But uh, like he, you know, I, I think that that connection in a group is probably more valuable for my small group ministry than it would be if the executive team that he led ah. just functioned as a small group. Sure. Um, so, so I, you know, I don't, for me, this isn't like a, this isn't like a it, it's a must or it can't be or like like I think the more people that are connected in real meaningful relationships that result in spiritual transformation, the better. And exactly what that looks like and whether a church of groups or a church with groups um, really isn't the the most important question. I, I do think it's a I do think it's a valuable question to ask and it's a valuable perspective to, to sort of look at things um, from. But But I'm not sure if it's like the the litmus test in my mind of whether or not, you know, we're, we're being as effective as we can in, in our small group ministry. And it's also internal language. Um, so, 
you know, the small group team might know what that is. Maybe the um, some of the executive staff might know what it is. But for the rank and file congregation, for the rank and file staff, it's really not going to matter whether you call it of or with. I mean, those mm-hmm. are those differences. But the idea and the philosophy, and we know churches that are fully bought in and everything they run is through groups and most mm-hmm. discipleship happens in groups. So I think the philosophy of it, I've gotten looser and looser on this where I kind of go, hey, if you are loving one another relationally, if you know know things about one another's private life and you care about each other and you encourage and support one another. I'm now less logistically minded about checking off the boxes that they have prayed, they have scripture, they have, you know, these things um, that would qualify. Uh, I'm less concerned about the qualification or the label and more concerned about really what's happening in those circles. And if it is happening there, then it, whether it's under my umbrella, small groups ministry, or under a care umbrella for support groups or mm-hmm. under missions, because um, mission teams go and become very close and sometimes mm-hmm. they continue along. So I, I think the when we get less concerned about labeling something, I think we give it more freedom to actually be what it needs to be, which is a relational community that um, is helping one another grow t- to Christ-likeness. Now, I, I will say, I do think that the valuable lesson here is, though, that when you have a bunch of competing systems, yes. you're probably less likely to be effective. Yes. So, so I think we, you know, I think what, you know, building a church of small groups, the the, the book kind of did was it, it, it really helped to see like, hey, whether or not you're a church of groups, like if you've got 58 options for things people need to be involved in, you're probably not going to be super effective at many of them. And probably, unless there's a ton of intentionality, you're not actually providing the type of community and spiritual growth in those things that you're more likely to find in small groups. Yes, that's a good point. Um, And one way to do that, if you look at more as a philosophical bent towards community, so say, you know, a lot of churches have Sunday school classes or discipleship classes. Um, You're writing some curricula for foundational discipleship classes, Mm -hmm. right? And Mm -hmm. I think there's definitely a movement towards um, using more tables and top discussions, more circles than rows, mm-hmm. in order to transfer um, information and knowledge, but also recognizing that the knowledge um, is best acquired through relationship. Yeah. And so I've, th- I've heard more and more of churches, and we've moved to that model as well, of, of making the more tabletop, um, small group type settings within mm-hmm. the larger classroom setting. And that's yeah. been really effective because that kind of jump starts the relational piece, which then mm-hmm. can can become more fully embodied in a small group form after the class is over. So um, whichever terminology you like, I think it's good to keep in mind the of and with and to keep moving towards a more inclusive and broader community, but mm-hmm. but now you know we're no longer wearing those labels. We used to ask each other that years ago. Yeah, are yep. you of or with? And that would be how we'd identify yeah. our church systems. And now thinking back, this is how long I've been around. It's it's kind of funny. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. All right, and then here's number nine. Um, we say anyone can lead a group. And yes, this one's a little touchy because um, people definitely have opinions about this. Um, now, of course, we have a key value that um, we want a, a community for everyone. So we need group leaders. Mm-hmm. So it comes out of kind of a need thing and also recognizing that, you know, you don't need a whole lot to to love people and to facilitate a conversation. Um, but then there's the pushback of you need to know something. <laughs> so um, what is both true and false about this statement? 
Oh gosh, I'm trying to decide how snarky to be about this one or not. I'm gonna, I'm gonna reserve a little bit of snark to preserve relationship. How about that? That's very um, very discerning of you. <laughs> Maybe that's just a good small group leadership lesson too. Um, right. So so there is a there is a spectrum here where you've got you know you've got a, a set of churches on one side that would say um, literally anybody can lead a group if you will open your home and press play on the curriculum. And then on the other end of that, um, you've got, you know, churches where it's like, if you haven't done 12 months of one-on-one discipleship with the senior pastor, we're not going (laughs) to let you lead a small group. Um, and you know, for just for myself, I I have always tried to, to navigate kind of the tension between those two points. Like I want my small group leaders to be actual spiritual leaders. I tell Mm -hmm. them, in the sort of 45 minute orientation that we do, um, that small group leaders are the frontline pastors of our church. Yes. Like they're the ones caring for people. They're the ones investing in people. Um, you know, often I'm doing the most investment, the sort of most like, like pastoral stuff in my group. Like, even though I'm a pastor at the church, like, like a lot of my pastoring actually happens in my small group, not sort of Mm. because of my job. Hmm. Um, and so, so I, I've always kind of wanted, like, I want them to be real spiritual leaders. On the other hand, like, I don't want to set it up for partially for practical reasons, right? Like, I, I, you know, if I've got a church of thousands of people and I've only got 40 small groups because I've set the bar super, super high, like I'm doing my people a disservice because I'm not providing them an opportunity for community right. to grow spiritually in a group because I've, I've become so concerned about sort of doctrinal purity or, you know, moral purity right. of leaders, that kind of thing. Right. Um, on the flip side, because of what I'm looking for that leader to do, because of what I feel like is the the value uh, of a small group having someone who who really is leading people spiritually, um, I, I I I haven't gone to the other end of that spectrum and just said, hey, and you know anybody can lead, and and I do, I mean I do get that, like I get the idea that like. Uh, and one of the things that, you know, that Steve Gladen talks about is it somebody's going to be having spiritual conversations with their friends anyway. Right. Like, right. So even if they're not a Christian, if we can give them some Christian material to go foster a conversation about spiritual things, then great. Like and so and so I do you know, I do agree with that idea. And I do think that there mm-hmm. is value in that. Um I think just as I've looked at like sort of systems and for, you know, so for my church and, and, and for my ministry and for me personally, like what is sustainable over the long term, mm-hmm. um, it's probably not to do both of those things at the same time. And so I've kind of I've kind of said, hey, we're going to do a, a little bit more qualification for leaders Um than, than, you know, a church like Saddleback would do. And they would even they would have qualifications for leaders. I should say, you know, they kind of distinguish a leader versus a host. Right, right. Um, but but I but I haven't I haven't gone for to a host model. I, I get it. I understand it. I, I I see the value in it. Um, but I also see the trade offs in it, and have gone kind of opted to go in another direction. Yeah, and it is a spectrum. The other interesting point is that um, we're concerned about the theological purity, as we've said, or doctrinal um, consistency, right? So that's typically how we talk about. Um, whether anyone can lead or not lead. However, there's a whole other point. There's a whole psychological piece to this. <laughs> like, you know, self-absorbed people, they can lead a group. <laughs> if uh-huh. you are an arrogant jerk, you're not going to be a good group leader. Mm-hmm. If you have social anxiety, you're not going to be able to lead a group. Like, there are things um, that people aren't naturally wired to mm-hmm. to uh, be an effective group leader for. There is our spiritual gifts 
um, mm-hmm. that are involved here. And there's also even just basic um, social stuff. Yeah. You don't have to yeah. be a, a you know popular life of the party at all. In fact, <laughs> right. they tend not to be as good leaders as the more quiet ones. But there is um, a certain kind of type of personality and just an ease with their themselves and and where they're at with the Lord. And there's just things that you just meet them and you know, oh, this is such a solid person. Or you meet them and you think this person makes puts everybody on edge. Um, mm-hmm. So I think those are some other qualifications that we may be looking for in a leader. Um, of course, in the the model, a Salabak's model with the host, you're inviting your friends. So you don't have right. to worry about right. the personality stuff because right. you already invite their friends. And then also as a caution, even as I say this, you know, I'm thinking, well, there's lots of quirky personalities that make wonderful small uh-huh. group leaders and really yep. effective ones. We have yep. a number of them where I think, huh, that's interesting, but they are so faithful and their group mm. loves them. So mm. they may not be uh, my cup of tea, but there's there's a place. And if they have a heart um, and shepherding uh, and they have um, a prayer life where mm. they care for those people, it really, the social skills are less important, but they do need a certain um, threshold. I think even beyond just the... Um, just the theological piece. And really the social skills isn't even the skill so much as it is the heart and the humility part. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the other stuff, you know, extrovert, introvert, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, you know, whether they're a leader and, you know, a CEO of a company or whether right. they're the custodian or whatever, that doesn't mm-hmm. matter. I mean, none yeah. of the socioeconomic stuff matters, but there is just kind of the willingness to to be open and there's a, a heart a willing to share um, and a humility to want to learn together like there's some of those qualities i think that are are necessary um, for if someone's going to lead a group yeah no you're absolutely right i mean you know there are people who you kind of meet and you think like uh, this person they're a little awkward or you know there there's mm-hmm. something a little different about them like are they really going to make a good group leader and sometimes the answer is no yes uh, <laughs> but but sometimes you know like it just might be me. Like I exactly. might just find them a little awkward. Like, you're I, little, I, I'm yes, I was going to say we're a little awkward a little right. lot. Or, or, or maybe like, or maybe like there are other people like them out there and, yes. and they're going to like, if they're in a group together, that's going to, that's going to work for them. And that's, that's a good thing. Whereas that person might feel a little funny in, in a different group and not that, you know, we don't, I don't want to, I don't like it when we, we try to like segregate out like here's the weird people we don't want them like that's that's not the idea but like sometimes people just have something about their personality that like it, it's going to be difficult more difficult for them to engage in relationship with people or, or right. they're going to need a certain kind of person and so not every group leader has to be like me think like me act like me right. talk like me and that that's a good thing like a terrible group ministry <laughs> if you had 200 will oh meeting. oh gosh <laughs> nobody would get cared for at all <laughs> <laughs> we'd learn a lot of things but nobody exactly. would get cared for we'd be leading stuff but <laughs> this is the other other thing that you and i have in common we don't have the highest level of mercy gifts <laughs> yeah the, the the whole like five-fold ministry pastoring is actually not primarily where i fall <laughs> right, right um but it's a it's a good area of growth um mm-hmm. all right and then finally as another bit of a sacred cow of sorts <laughs> um the tenth assumption is that groups need to multiply or split and this concept's been around for so many decades, and some might even say that this is what we see in the Acts Church modeled. Um, they they build, they go off, they build other churches, they just continue to plant and grow. Um, and we want to reach more people, and we want to make mm-hmm. more disciples. So that's that's a given. But 
is the best way to do that to um, have multiplications and splits. And the whole apprenticing thing that, honestly, I don't know how many people that actually works for, how many churches. I just have to confess it hasn't worked great for us. Um, so is systemizing this group splitting or apprenticing or kind of forcing um, this, or I call it planting because it seems nicer than splitting. Mm, and I right. refuse to use the word birthing because really <laughs> no nobody should ever use that word if you've actually had a child. Um, well, but, you know, we've got our we've got our touch groups ministry where we birth new small groups. <laughs> oh so. my gosh! <laughs> I know. Thank God that one's been retired mostly. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're gonna get emails on this. Now you'd be like, "What's what we call our stuff?" Um, but well, change it, it. That's just that's my advice. Some free free consulting there. <laughs> so is it? So how critical is it that we um, have groups multiply or split? I think. I think we always need to have a strategy for growth, both numerically and growth spiritually. I think when we try to systematize, like, this is exactly what that has to look like and the way your group has to function, that's where we get into a little bit of, like, just sort of unhealthy dynamics of just just the realities of the way people work and the way that that groups mm -hmm. work kind of the sociology of it mm -hmm. j just doesn't maybe jive quite as much um so i do like uh, you know one of the things that that i talk about in this new leader orientation and i mean literally it's like 45 minutes long and i tr i talk about the importance of uh, identifying and developing a potential right, leader right um you know we do a we, we do a, a five week uh, like like leadership development group for new small group leaders um, or for mm. existing small group leaders that want to be a part of it. Uh, and one of the weeks in there is the, the whole week is dedicated to identifying and developing potential leaders. Um, so I do think this is like, like there's something important about that. Like there's something about kind of discipleship that, right. that is going to be causing us to say, who else who else can be investing in people right like am i am i making disciples or am i making disciple makers um mm. and so i think you know i think theologically and and practically those those are important things to to think about and consider um but i think to then translate into the idea that like a group has to split has to plant a new group uh isn't like isn't necessarily a good thing um, some, you know, I, I've seen it work really well, but usually that's when the leader was like super on board. It was like, yeah. like I've never yeah. seen it work really well in like a, a, a system wide context, but in individual groups, like I've seen a leader take a group and grow it to five groups over the course of a couple of years through very intentional leadership development. We made that small group leader, one of our campus pastors, um, <laughs> Makes sense. Unsurprising, right? <laughs> uh, so, so yeah. I mean, I think I think that kind of intentionality is important. I think if not, we're doing a disservice uh, to our people. We're doing a disservice to the kingdom. Um, but for instance, you know, I've got groups where like there's you know there's eight people in this group or something, and these people really all are serving in ministry yes. uh, in very meaningful ways outside of this group. And this group provides a place of community and support for them. Mm -hmm. They're they're leaders. But there may not be small group leaders, but they are leaders. They are kingdom workers right. in significant ways. It might be okay if they don't let a bunch of new people in or if they don't like multiply that group out into be two groups or something like that. Like, so I, I just think we need to evaluate kind of the situation of any individual group and and continue to encourage people to grow themselves and to invest in others and encourage them to to then invest in others. But 
I, I have yet to find a, a perfect system that that sort of accounts for the sociology of people want to actually have friends for longer than 12 months and the, you know, sort of growth mindset of the kingdom. Yeah, I, I love that. It's really, it depends, you know, a lot on having the thought behind, um, you know, in your training to say mm-hmm. this, we want to grow the kingdom and have that be a value that they understand from the beginning, but at the same time, understanding that um, it takes a long time in our culture to build trust and build relationships. And people are so disconnected more now than ever. Um, And so by the time they get to a place where they're really actually sharing what's finally on their heart, Mm -hmm. um, then to then say, okay, we're now splitting. um, I think the sociologically and psychologically, it makes even less sense now than it did um, before. But unless they're naturally gifted with this gifts of, you know, apostleship or um, Mm -hmm. with that kind of mindset, a missional mindset, um, I think to force it is to probably more damaging um, over yeah. the hall. And so I'm with you on that one. And as it turns out, you and I agree a lot on, on these. <laughs> I thought we were going to have that's a- That's why we're friends. This, this might be why ignor- ignorance enjoys company. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> but thank you so much for, um, for having this conversation with me, Will. And I hope it was helpful to our listeners. Is there any final thoughts you'd like to share? Oh, man, I would just say that I, uh, I I love groups ministry. I really love getting the chance to talk with with you and with so many others um, who are out there doing this. So um, keep keep asking questions, keep exploring. Mm-hmm. You know, none of us have it all figured out, no matter how long we've been doing this thing. Um, so so I'm just glad that we're in this together. Aw, thanks, Will. And Will's part of the um, small group network Huddle in mm-hmm. South Southern California, but he's also mm-hmm. active on our Facebook page. So feel free to ask questions of him or of me um, on that Facebook page, and um, you can challenge us. Maybe there's other <laughs> assumptions that we didn't address. Maybe we'll do yeah. like a whole second one next year <laughs> with 10 other ones. Um, and you want to push back on that, please feel free. I mean, that's <laughs> that Facebook page is interactive, and it's meant for us to have these kinds of discussions yeah. in a safe, respectful environment. So we invite you to interact with Will on that. Um, so thank you so much for, for listening. And if you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes, which helps other small group point leaders find us. So thanks, Will. God bless you and your ministry. Thanks, Carolyn. All right. Well, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Thank you so much again to Carolyn and Will for that great two-part episode this month. Before we go, let's talk about huddles. Start a huddle by the end of this month and receive free swag. That's right. I said free SGN swag. Huddles are like small groups for small group point people and are found all over the world. The purpose of huddles is to connect small group point people together a few times a year to build relationships, to find encouragement, and to share ideas and resources. Upon registering for your huddle online, we will mail you official SGN swag, and one of our leaders will follow up with you to provide all the support you need. To get started, visit smallgroupnetwork.com slash huddles. Again, that's smallgroupnetwork.com slash huddles. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next month. Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to the podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically. Also, if you enjoy this program, Please take a few minutes to give us a positive rating on iTunes so that other small group point people can find us more easily. We encourage you to visit our website at smallgroupnetwork.com to access our library of free resources, connect to a huddle with other small group ministry leaders in your area, read our blog articles, or join us on our Facebook group. 
Don't forget to use the hashtag SGNet when engaging with your social media channels. Thank you for your support.